Just gonna hit record. Hey, welcome to the Protectors Podcast. We are live in location in Wilmington. I was gonna say Wilmington, <laughs> Delaware. No, we're in Wilmington, North Carolina, brother. Yeah. What's going on, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't uh, I don't be mean. Don't confuse us with Delaware. Oh, whoa, whoa, bro. I used to be. I used to be a supervisor down in Delaware. Yeah, I've never been, so I would be speaking ignorantly. I just know that where we are right now is beautiful, sunny, nice, and uh, well, <laughs> enjoying life. Well, there's like. Like 2,000 people in all of Delaware. But, hey, here we are in <laughs> Wilmington, North Carolina. Hey, brother, uh, we're here with B.C. Sanders, and we're like Lyman location. We're at Port City, Java. And what we didn't know, this was basically a chain, so we're going to get some feedback for that. It's almost like hitting a Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. So you're retired now, brother. How's that fake you feel? Yeah. Uh, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, most days I spend writing. Uh, and doing a little bit of consulting here and there, designing some classes that I'll be able to push out and teach over like uh, StreamYard or any kind of virtual platform like that um, now that I kind of have the time to do that. So some people have reached out and just been like, hey, I'll pay you for your time. Let's sit down. These are the things that I would want to learn. That's what they would say. So, okay, everything from gangs, developing informants, uh, body language, how to do surveillance, street-level surveillance, proactive patrol, uh, management, how to actually de- develop gang units and gang strategies. like All this stuff that I've kind of learned over two decades that I just assumed everybody else knew, but we're now we're seeing the void in the last five to probably seven years, lack of proactive policing. So those skills have been lost, and now the officers who've now become supervisors don't have those skills either so it's like now i'm especially tailor-made whatever people need i'll design something for them and have a have a discussion well the crazy thing is the assumption mm-hmm. like me coming from the criminal investigator world you know I, you know so everybody out there who doesn't realize in the federal government if you're in 1811 that means you're a criminal investigator but all different all agencies have different criminal investigators mm-hmm. dea atf fbi all the three letters plus all these small agencies but Everybody always assumes that because you're a special agent, you all have the same skill set. Mm-hmm. And after a while, and after you do it for so long, you forget that all the skills that you've picked up, not everybody has them. Mm-hmm. So you, with your 20 plus years, you're like, huh? It would be it would be ideal for you to go around to these departments, especially smaller departments, who are inundated with gang activity and are inundated inundated with crime in general. Mm-hmm. Who don't have, let's say, they don't have a full time detective, they don't have someone on task force to go and do a training seminar for them, a training course. Yeah, that and also uh, some of the larger cities that I just assumed, uh, they're good to go. Yeah, Yeah, and what they did was, under different leadership, just disbanded a lot of their proactive units. And so the more departments I talked to with that, they're now (laughs) trying to stand up a proactive unit or a gang unit, you know, and so their higher-ups don't have that background. So they don't know how to design it, and then they're kind of fearful of it. And then once they try to set it in motion, it's like they want instant results. So if the team is set up, like I was talking to one guy the other day, he's like, they have to produce. That's the the mindset of their higher-ups is like every day they have to produce, whereas they're looking at it and saying we have a longer, you know, like a longer um, process going on. So it's like we may not make an arrest today or we may not have a gun on the table, so to speak, but 
what we can do is show you that in three or four days, we can actually make a strategic arrest. So it's stuff like that, like that mindset of not always living day-to-day uh, mode with their department to actually <clears throat> have an overall strategy. And some of the higher-ups just sadly are missing that because that was not their background. So now these these officers who are really motivated, that's what they want to learn, and there's like this gap or they're, or they're having trouble trying to explain to their higher-ups hey, we want to do things a little bit differently, you know, based on what this guy is telling us. What's the big thing is you have a lot of proactive police out there who want to be proactive, but then you have the, the leniency, be like, oh, you know, if we do that, something bad might happen. Mm-hmm. Let's stick to our bread and butter, like the homicides, the robberies, the assaults. Mm-hmm. But when you start getting into the gang territory, when, you know, the crimes may not be defined as easily as, mm-hmm. you know, narcotics where, hey, you know, you, you arrest someone, they got the drugs in their hand. Well, they're probably guilty. Yeah. Well, you know, but not, you know, nine yeah. times out of 10, the drugs aren't theirs, the pants aren't theirs, or I don't right. know where that came from. But, but yeah. when it comes to like gangs and other types of proactive investigations, especially when it comes to not just gangs, but criminal networks, mm-hmm. that's, that's a, that'd be great training idea to get out there because, you know, I was talking to one of my, my LEO friends and they're like, look, you know, we're just patrol. We don't have a detective. Mm-hmm. And you're like, huh? Well, who does your investigations? And they're like, well, we have to do them ourselves. Okay. So, yeah. you know, yeah. when you really go from, like, the macro level of, like, an NYPD who has 50 million detectives or, you know, even, like, a, a midsize or even, you know, anybody who has, like, 15 or 20 or even 30 cops, they're going to mm-hmm. have a detective. But there's so many different training ideas out there for people who don't have a detective. Yeah. It's also the, the agencies that will that are smaller like that. If they'll get on board and actually identify their problems early on and be part of an, like an ongoing network. So really what should be happening is the larger cities should have uh, like intel meetings. Like we would always set up gang intel meetings where all these jurisdictions, we get in one room and talk. And then after COVID, we actually made it virtual where a patrol officer could be sitting in their car, log on and be part of the meeting and just, you know, interject uh-huh. and they can see it visually and so we would teach like for an hour in the block of uh, the meeting. And so the officers and the agents are getting some information, like learning everything about hand signs, whatever. And then we go into the crosstalk. But those things, if all these cities would do that, well, they'd, you know, they'd be plugged in. You brought up a great point, too, about being proactive. So let's say you're going to do a training course for someone in Florida. Florida has a different gang culture than someone in East L.A. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you can go in there and you can be like, okay, I'm going to be teaching you guys this, even if it's virtual. Um, and you can still teach them what they need to know based mm-hmm. on your subject matter expertise, but you're also your your ability to reach out and find out what you need to to be able to instruct. Yeah. So even like somewhere like Florida, a lot of times I can just ask simple questions like what what identified sets do you have? So Florida may say yes, we've got a lot of blood blood sets that flow out of UBN, which is all New York based. Perfect. Then we can all be on the same sheet of music with the signs, the symbols, the, you know, all of that. Someone else may say, maybe Georgia, you know, somewhere in Georgia, and they say, hey, we've got a lot of gangster disciples out of Chicago. Perfect. A lot of the nationally recognized gangs are all over these cities. So that part, we're all good. We're used on the same sheet of music. It's those strategies that a lot of agencies are missing, and, and even the larger agencies too. So that's the big thing is like just trying to be able to set that stuff up and now i mean based I've, I've had people reach out to me on instagram and send me pictures of graffiti or they'll even say 
hey, I've got this person I want to approach to develop them into a source or an informant. What, what, what should I do? You know, how should I pitch it? So then I can just message them and we can talk back and forth and go, okay, if you know specifically what gang, then you could try this approach. Or if you know what their motive is for being in the gang, be it money, they're a true believer, that sort of thing, then you might have to try a different approach, you know. So. Well, I think that the other approach, too, is because it's so factored towards the the agency you're going to go to or the department you're going to go to or the jurisdiction or the wherever, the thing is when you – you can go online, you can go to a you know blank, blank, blank website, and you can take a course on gangs. Mm-hmm. It's great. But if you're not having that interaction or having that f- set for your specific dis- district or your area – Mm-hmm. A lot of times you're going to be like, eh, I'm not really getting a lot out of this. Yeah. But if you have like a virtual or, or virtual and best is in person, we know that. But even if you're doing virtually, people feel vested in it because this is their area. They want to know mm-hmm. exactly what they could do for their area. Yes. And then also with virtual, I can pull multiple people from across the U.S. being a small group, maybe like six of us on there talking and actually have a dialogue. So someone could be in, say, Nebraska and then another person be wherever, uh, Wisconsin. But while we're talking, they may ask very specific questions. And instead of it being straightforward PowerPoint, you know, click, 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 it's also like more of a discussion of someone saying, hey, this is the problem we have, multiple gunshots every night in an apartment complex. We're told we got to do something about it, and I have no clue what to do. I'm just a patrol officer. So I can kind of walk them through like, okay, very specific problems, even though we're talking about gangs. They ask a question like that, being virtual like that allows me to have more one-on-one with them. And I can answer it directly and go, okay, check this out. What's your RMS your, or, or what is your report writing database? Does it look like this? Can you pull calls for service? If you can pull your calls for service, narrow down your shots fired. If it's every Friday night, then guess what? Now you can start to develop a proactive approach with you and a couple of buddies. And you know what I mean? Like it, it starts to kind of take their problems and then just go, okay, this is, these are very specific to what you're asking me. As opposed to going, in this block of instruction, we're going to talk about, you know, I just, exactly. I, I can do that. And, and sometimes those are larger briefings. And I've and I presented to two or 300 people at a time on larger overall strategies or one gang at a time and we just break everything down. But what i found is, like, I really enjoy getting one-on-one and doing consulting. And, and I do it with even citizens, too. Citizens have reached out. And we've done the same thing. I send them a link in StreamYard, and we're plugged right in. They open up the laptop, click on a link, and then we're talking. I can see them face-to-face. And- well, that's the other thing about your background, too, is being able to do, like, site surveys, doing, you know, pre-operational planning where you can look at an area and say, oh, well, you know, these areas. It's like the, when we were in the military. You know, when you when you look at an area, you do a map reconnaissance. You can st- mm-hmm. It's so easy to do reconnaissance now with mm-hmm. with the virtual landscape we have that, before you go to these areas, you could already have it scoped out. Mm-hmm. You could bring them out there. You could be with them. You could have such a one-on-one interaction. And that's the greatest thing about being retired. Mm-hmm. You know, is now you have the opportunity to go out there and affect change, but at a, at a different level. Yeah, and it's, it's nice, too, because not everybody wants to sit in a classroom and have to raise their hand and ask a question. That they're scared somebody's going to, you know, like fragile ego. They're worried, mm-hmm. oh, well. I'm a captain or I'm a lieutenant and yeah. I don't want to ask this dumb question. And, and one of my subordinates or someone else from another uh-huh. agency sees that I'm from, you know, a large agency. I have all this rank. I need to just be quiet as opposed to like maybe one-on-one or a smaller group like that. 
and it's virtual, so then people feel more relaxed. And they may ask that question, like, look, I'm a captain. You know, I've been running and gunning or, or my whole, you know, time I've done admin. Now I really want to get in a fight, and I've got great units under me, but I have no idea how to help them. And so well, then it, it can be that discussion. Well, you brought up a good point, too, is being at such a certain level where you're fluid, mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about overhead. Yeah. <clears throat> you don't yeah. have to worry about, like, let's say you're going to travel point A to point B, per diem. Mm-hmm. Um the other thing, too, is if you want to have one-on-one virtual conversations with leadership or with a task force leader who maybe want to stand up this thing, that's another great selling point mm-hmm. right there. And this is for the people out here who are thinking about retiring or thinking about doing something else. You don't have to have brick and mortar anymore. You don't yeah. have to have certain logistics around it. You can do so much virtual mm-hmm. but also offer something that's tailor-made. And when you brought up the tailor-made thing, that's absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's it's one of those two where the like I did one presentation and an FBI agent pulled me aside and he was like, "Hey, I, I, I'm on a task force. We have really motivated um, TFOs or task force officers. We've got motivated FBI agents in in the office in their region." He's like, "But we don't have an overall strategy." He's like, "And that's the problem. Is like right now I want." Like a, a small portion, I did a three-hour presentation. He really was looking, I think, at like about 30 minutes of kind of removing what I call the hive. Like, hey, how can mm-hmm. we do this? So long story short, it's like we were able to have that side dialogue of that. And I'm like, cool, because him being an agent could look at me and go, you're just this city cop. You know, I'm an FBI agent. That's what mm-hmm. everybody thinks. It's yeah. like, you know, that, that agents have these big egos and stuff. That was never been my experience. I've worked with several FBI agents uh, ATF agents and always have well, a really good report. Good for you, brother. Good for you. <laughs> now, good that's for my, you, brother. That's my, that's my perspective and my um, encounters. Okay. Now, that could be completely different for other people, other other jurisdictions. Um, and that's just the gang world. You know, so if, if FBI agents in the gang world, that they may be why. Maybe a little proactive. The FBI agent, like, I just remember one guy named Scott out in San Diego, and he was like, they stuck him on a regional auto theft task force. Mm-hmm. He was like HRT, he was SEAL Team 6, Dev Group, and okay. all that. And because he was such a, like, an operator type, he mm-hmm. really didn't deal with bullshit too much with mm-hmm. them. So they, they threw him off on his task force, and his drug uh, network I was looking at was going with a lot of stolen vehicles. So I was like, hey, Scott, you want to be honest? He's like, yeah, man. And he rolls around, it's a beat up four tours because he wasn't like one of the you know the, the <laughs> yeah. golden boys yeah uh but the thing is too is not to switch subjects a little bit mm-hmm. is you know right when you retired or before you retired or anywhere you started working with civilians too because mm-hmm. i don't like to just you know there's so much out so many people out there who want to know what's going on in their areas mm-hmm. so it's not just going to be leos it's not just going to be this and that or people yeah. who wear a badge but everyday people want to know what's going on in their neighborhoods. It's almost mm-hmm. like you could be your own little intel shop. You could be your own little, you know, you raise your level of awareness by just conversation. So let's talk about that. Yeah. I, I had a uh, father reach out to me. He has three daughters, and they're all, you know, right around college age, whatever, 17 to about 20. And he was honest and just said, hey, uh, I, I'm not prior military. I'm not prior law enforcement. I really just want my family to be aware of the information that you talk about, situational awareness, body language. Um, and he had heard me on another podcast, reached out to me and my co-host ski on the disruptors podcast. We did a, a couple hours of, you know, just dialogue with him and his daughters and his wife. 
and it was cool. It was like it made us feel better because we were able to help somebody. But they were asking very specific questions, and we were talking about even things like how to harden your vehicle for break-ins, how to research certain databases to find the crimes that are being reported in your area. So when you watch the news and you think everything's blowing up, you know, in in the cities, and you're sending your loved ones out because one of the daughters was moving out of state, and where she was moving, they were really worried. So it was one of those things we could sit there and talk about it. And I didn't have to feel guarded because there's a certain level of information citizens should know. And so it's not like I'm giving away tradecraft and all this yeah. stuff because they don't really care. They don't care whether we're sitting in a dumpster doing surveillance or if we're using technology. They were more concerned about individual behavior or when we're out in public, what are we looking for? If we're visiting another city, should we go with a cheap motel or should we spend a little extra money? So small things like that. Well, you but, brought up yeah. a good point because I have a buddy who's um, whose daughter is thinking about going to college in Philly. Mm. And I'm like, Philly, two blocks away, could be like a gang haven. could be like, mm-hmm. you know, an apocalypse now. Mm. And then two blocks the other way, it's like a rich neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you have to know where to navigate in a city and where to avoid. Mm-hmm. So if you tell them the red flags before they go, they're like, okay, well, my GPS says I could park here. Mm-hmm. You know, or my GPS, what I know if I look on there that, you know, I need to stay away. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's simple things like that. It's looking for graffiti, obviously, of any kind, any kind of wear and tear on buildings. I also tell people, like, just take a second to survey what everyone else is doing. And if everybody's walking around me mugging one another, mm-hmm. then you're like, okay. Uh, or if people are just po- what we call posted up, they're just standing in front of, like right now, if someone's just standing here in front of this coffee shop, we're going to wonder what they're doing. And yeah. if we sit in a car for more than about a minute, we'll see that most people don't like just standing still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're going to mess with their phone. They're going to go meet with a friend. They're going to move. But people just stand there for a while. They're either waiting to meet somebody. Or to post it up. Yeah, they're waiting to do (laughs) something. Sometimes they're just looking for that victim who's late for the crime scene. Okay, last topic for today. (laughs) Yeah. Is this is one I really enjoy because it's like I'm going through it myself. March Mm -hmm. 31st is when I retired. And I I went through like four. It's almost like the the stages of grief, but it's different. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, shit, what am I going to do now? And then you're like, then you're excited. And then the lull, and then you're like, okay, I found a rhythm. So now that you're, <laughs> yeah. how long are you into it now? Oh, like uh, two months, month? Bit, yeah, uh, this I'm entering the second full month. Yeah. What was the biggest piece of advice you give for someone right when I get out? Have a plan. I mean, that's the that's the main thing. Is and when I say have a plan, at least have something that you are moving towards. So like some people will will retire, and this is for any job. But when they retire, it's all indicative of what age they are and what else they're doing. Someone retires from the military, they could be 38 years old. <laughs> and they, got to, they go into a whole another mm-hmm. career. For me, I had people that were very concerned. Look, you're so motivated. You love police work, all this. And you're just going to now like go cold turkey. Like, like right, the assignment I was coming out of was really, really great. I worked with the best units in our department and the best units in the East Coast. On, on violent crimes, homicide units, robbery units, aggravated assault units. So when I switch gears, it's like one day I'm coming to work, they're solving bank robberies, they're solving murders, you know, all these multiple units, and then I'm done. And then I'm editing manuscripts and working on trying to get novels, you know, published. 
working on consulting stuff, doing multiple guest spots on podcasts. So when I made that transition, it's like I have this plan in place and I'm loving it. I do know some people that have retired and they kind of went into like this state of like lethargy, if that's even a word. For some reason that popped in my head, but they just kind of go into like autopilot and some people will say, well, I'm going to take a few months and just relax. And I think the, the older we get, you know, yeah. it's kind of like body in motion. You take those few months off and you just relax and maybe you go fishing, you go hunting. And then it's like, okay, well, now you got to jump start back into something. Well, the thing is, like, when you say relax, you don't have to go in lethargy or whatever. You know, that yeah. big college yeah. word. You could still hustle. You could still mm-hmm. do things. And hustling yeah. doesn't have to have monetary faction on it. Mm-hmm. You know, you could build to that goal. But the thing is to keep your mind flowing. Mm-hmm. It's almost like uh, like I had guys that were saying to me, you are retiring and you're going to walk away from all this money that could be made. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ah, you look at it that way. I look at it as I now have the opportunity to make money. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? Like now my time is, is free. I can move into some, some um, more, if I want to do full-time eight-to-five kind of job or whatever, nine-to-five, I can do that. I can keep pursuing what I want and see if it's going to be lucrative. I can keep researching companies and investing in buying stocks like I do. I can work the merchandise in and go into full speed like, okay, I want to take my disruptors merchandise and keep pumping out more and more shirts. I want to do coffees I want, or coffee mugs. You know, I want to do hats. You know, we want to get into doing some, some live concerts and promoting. It's like I can't do that stuff yeah. if I'm doing a nine-to-five or, mm-hmm. or especially if I'm still working on the job and on call and that sort of thing. So it's kind of like just opening up to similar to what it felt like getting out of the army. When I started college, it was like, okay, now I love the army, but now I'm, I'm going full speed into this other thing and I'm going to give a hundred percent into it. And so that's what I'm doing now. And I, and the best part about it is I've got a, a good exercise routine, <laughs> a good sleep pattern. You know, like my, my life is my hey, quality of life home. is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It feels like, <laughs> Wow, for like twenty something yeah. years, you know, you you get to be in that zombie mode, and now it's like, while other other people get out of the job and they're like, I don't like this. I need people to know I'm the police. It's like I never wanted people to know I was a cop mm-hmm. when I'm off off duty, and I don't like now. It's like no, nah, I, I like to walk around, enjoy myself, you know, uh, and and be. I mean, I'm still on guard, obviously, but yeah. not in the sense that I was so hyper um, vigilant before. I love it, brother. So we have the Disruptors podcast, and what mm-hmm. are, where else can we find you? Uh, so uh, the podcast, um, Instagrams, uh, the underscore Disruptors underscore podcast. So I'm on there a lot, just doing posts, uh, personal Instagrams, b.c.sanders. And uh, you could do uh, email even. Some people will email us at the Disruptors um, dot bc dot ski <laughs> at gmail. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. Do, doing guest spots on other podcasts, and um, like I said, pushing some more merchandise out here pretty soon. And I'm wearing a shirt today. <laughs> yes, brother. you are. Yeah, it's it's pretty impressive. I've seen quite a few people eyeballing it as they walk by. No, uh, but I, uh, in full disclosure, I don't do the art. I just kind of get an idea, and then I find artists like Riz no, Art cool. and some other people. I always and they tell do people, it. Mike, you know, don't ask for shit for free. Support mm-hmm. your friends. So, mm-hmm. brother, I appreciate yeah. you coming on the show, man. Thank you, buddy.